You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Try. Well, good to see everybody here today. I hope you had a wonderful day in the Lord. I, I do want I didn't say anything last night, but I did want to thank you for the wonderful meal that you gave us last night and again tonight. It's just been great. And um, the Lord's just good to us all the way around. He is Amen. good. Always good. That's part of his character. It's part of his nature. That's right. And we're glad that we serve a, a good God. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter number 27? Acts chapter 27. And we're going to look at a lot of this chapter tonight. We're only going to read one verse, and that's verse number 14. But we're going to share with you some things uh, concerning this thought. The sayings of a man in a storm. The sayings of a man in a storm. And I know if you've... Um, been in church um, a little while. I know you've heard this preached, probably heard the passage preached before. I know you've read the story of Paul and the storm, but we're going we're gonna to talk about that just a little while tonight and hope that we'll be a blessing. I, I, I need to look around. There's my clock. See, I, I would have, is that thing work? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, good. I won't watch. I won't. It doesn't really matter. I can always look at it. I try not to preach long, but last night I think I got a little lengthy, but, but anyway, we and those are Wait. numbers on there. They're just a different kind. Of oh, okay, numbers. okay. And, and we were in the book of Romans. Uh, we were talking You're about wrong. the Romans. Well, I was right. in the book of Romans tonight a little yeah. bit. So, yeah, that, that, that works good. Anyway, <laughs> so I'll be able to read it for part of the message anyway. Well, let me tell you the story. I love to do a lot of research. And so I was doing some research on the um, uh, old, ancient marriage customs. And so one of the most interesting, interesting ones I came across was one where they would take pig intestines. And they would boil them, and they would give a little pot to the bride and a little pot to the groom. Chitlins. Yeah, exactly. Right. So they'd give a little pot to the groom and bride. And so during the ceremony, the bride would give her pot to the, to the groom, and he would give his pot to the bride. And uh, they would call that the exchanging of the wedding bowels. And you know, you gotta have guts to tell that kind of joke. (laughs) You know what's bad? It gets worse sometimes. I gotta tell you the one about the teeth and forget chance to maybe tomorrow night. Oh, tomorrow night's it. Yeah, that's right. I saw food come in. Let's just dismiss service tonight. Let's go eat and I'll tell jokes, okay? Because I, I did want to tell you one about the teeth, but I won't, I won't get to that one tonight. Acts chapter number 27, if you have your place, would you stand with me? It's going to be just one verse, but that will give you just a moment there. And then we'll share some thoughts with you. And if you look with me, verse number 14. But not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Euroclidon. Now, I heard somebody tell me one time, that's not how you pronounce it. I've been pronouncing that word ever since I've been saved that way, so I can't change. Right. So if there's another way to say it, have at it, and I'll just call it Euroclidon. And uh, let's pray. Father, have your way in our hearts and lives, I pray this evening. Thank you that we serve a good God. Yes. Uh, you love us. You care for us. And I, I think about the amazing grace of God and how amazing it is to know that you do love us as we are and you want us to be changed by your marvelous grace as we go through our Christian experience that we would reflect more of Christ than we would of ourselves. And Father, now as we bring these thoughts, I pray you'd help me to have it all in my mind clearly that I might be able to deliver it the way you would with the power of God. And we thank you for what you do now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, when you get saved, um, 
Well, uh, it, it is exciting. I was just listening to the testimonies tonight, and, and I could kind of, you know, the different testimonies of where people were in their in their life and and in their in their in their age and different things about them. And, and, and it's exciting when you get saved, isn't it? it I, as a 17-year-old, when I when I got under conviction for the first time in my life, 17 years of age, church was a place that I had no time for. Uh, church was a place that I thought was for old people that didn't have anything better to do, uh, didn't have a life. And uh, But it was the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, that drawing of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, He didn't make me get saved, and He didn't draw me to the point where I couldn't resist Him. Right, yeah. But I'm glad that He showed me I was a sinner, yeah. and I wanted yeah. to get saved after, after conviction came to me. And so that, that morning when I trusted Christ as my Savior... And boy, it was exciting, and it is still exciting. Yes, sir. But I, I learned, and, I, and as I'm going along, I'm learning, you know, this is really a journey. I think about Abraham when he was called out of Ur of the Chaldees, and he began that long journey from where he was as a sinner and where God found him and brought him out of that place. And that journey began in his life, and you follow his story, and it is an amazing story. And that is the way it is for all of us tonight. We're in a journey. Yeah. Uh, and, and there are different legs to the journey. I remember, I, I've shared a little bit in my testimony yesterday, uh, Sunday morning, how that after, right after I was saved, God called me to preach. And I think about the journey, that little short journey, and how I thought it was so difficult because I told the experience of when I was a 14-year-old, a freshman in high school, and now I'm going to be standing up in front of people, and I'm a preacher now, you know, and all this. So uh, life is a journey. And then as you go along in your Christian life and you begin to grow, you begin to study, and then now God is defining your life and what your purpose is. And all of us, I believe, doesn't matter where you work, you've got a purpose in your life that is for Him Amen. and to serve Him no matter where it is that you're living or working. Yes, and so He begins to define that. And for me, of course, it was for me to be a preacher, to be a missionary. And the, the journeys can get long sometimes. But here's the thing I found that in our journeys of life, there are storms that come our way. Mm -hmm. And everybody has storms. There's sometimes that some storms seem more perilous and more difficult and more dangerous than other storms. I think about the word cancer. And boy, what a storm that can bring in your life. It will absolutely turn your world upside down when cancer comes to you yep. and into your family. And I think about how that uh, well, I just, matter of fact, I just got an email over the weekend uh, from a church that supports me, a 36-year-old young man in the church who was busy in the church. He was a bus worker, a Sunday school teacher, um, just a lot of things going on, a young, young family, uh, uh, and um, suddenly he died, um, a massive heart attack, 36 years of age, and storms come in our life. Think about the missionary that just got to the field in Africa, just got there and was killed and what have six, seven or eight children. Now think about the storm that that family is going through and they happen to us. You cannot escape them because if you're in uh, on this journey with the Lord and you're where he wants you to be, they're going to come. He allows them to come. Now sometimes we cannot justify this in my mind. Why does he make me go through this if he loves me? Why do I have to suffer this way? Why doesn't he make it easy for me? But God is teaching us. He's training us. And He's doing some things in our life because God has got something very special for us if we will do some things that He would have us to do. Now, here's what I've also, some things I've learned. I, I remember years ago, 
we went to a preacher's fellowship. I don't know if y'all have preacher's fellowships around here where preachers get together and they will uh, have a couple of preachers to preach or maybe sometimes more than that. And for us down in, down in Tennessee, we went out to, down to a little church right in the edge of Georgia. And the preachers would all get to, in the back Sunday school classroom and they would pray and they, they would say, I believe, I, believe Brother Sol, I believe Brother Haley has a message for us tonight. Or, or, and then as well, I believe Brother Michael has a message tonight. Well, that night... They called on a 16-year-old young preacher to preach. And it was his time to preach. He got up, and here's what he preached about, how to raise kids. <laughs> and he made statements like this. He said, when I get married and I have kids, my kids aren't going to act like your kids. And I thought, oh, wow, I hope he's got a lot of salt to go with those words because he is going to eat them. You know? But here's what I found. You know, the Word of God, in and of itself, the Word of God is the Word of God. The Word of God is powerful. Yes. But I've also found this, that when you know a person, as best as you know, a person is living what he's preaching, or living what he, she's teaching, if you know they're doing the best they can to live for God, it seems like their words have a lot more weight behind them than somebody that you know is just a plain old pure hypocrite. Right. You know, they're saying the same thing, but there's just something about the life of somebody that's truly living for God. Amen. So what we're going to do tonight, we're going to look at the words of the Apostle Paul who went into a storm and came through the storm and out of the storm and live to tell about it. We're going to look at his words that he spoke to us because I think these words have an impact for us. And I was only going to preach one, one point tonight, but I'm going to, I, I was sitting there and I think I, what I'm going to do is kind of go through the first point kind of quickly and the, I get to the last two points. And I'm going to share some thoughts I hope will be a blessing. How do you survive the storm? There are families tonight that are in turmoil. Turmoil. I, I know a missionary family that's whose son is on death row tonight mm -hmm. and he killed a south carolina highway patrolman on death row wow. i've got a man a young man on my prayer list just a young man on my prayer list and he is now waiting trial for murder dad's a pastor in north carolina mm -hmm. devastated the family is absolutely devastated so how do you survive the storm you ever flown in an airplane you know uh, how do you survive? Let me give these to you we'll, it really quick and we'll be done. Number one, I want you to look with me and some verses of Scripture. And um, here's what Paul says as I'm reading through these, these words. Um, Paul says in verse number nine, Now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now al already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only to the lading and ship, but also of our lives. I want you to notice these three words, Paul admonished them. Here, before the, the, the storm got started, Paul was going to share some things with them that we've got to be careful with, even in our own life. And that is the first number one thing is, we've got to abide by the schedule. Got to abide by the schedule. Did you know that I have, when you plan things for your life, I've got to be here, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. There's young people who say, well, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to finish college, I'm going to get a job, and they've got their life planned out, they've got it mapped out, and we have a plan, we've got a schedule. Now, I think it's good to set goals and have plans, but did you know that when you're in the will of God, you've got to pretty much throw the schedule out the window, Amen. because it's not us who determines Amen. the stop so long the way. Amen. 
And so here Paul is telling them in verse number 9, I'm going to admonish you because there is a time that's coming that we're going to have to be careful the way that we go through the storm. Things are going to happen. And so Paul is saying that we got to abide by the schedule that God's got. Did you know that sometimes we want to take shortcuts? One of the things that I think has ruined me here in America, I kind of got out of it when we went to Africa because in Africa, they're on a different schedule. A time really doesn't have much much meaning to them. They walk everywhere they go. Not everybody, but most everybody walks where they go. And you can say, our Sunday school is going to start at 10 o'clock. They may get there at 1030. I, I know the American in me, I, you know, but anyway, I, I kind of got that in me of where I wasn't so pushed and rushed. And it's really pretty nice. Then I come back to the States. I get mad if they tell me at uh, McDonald's, sir, would you mind pulling up and wait just a moment and we'll bring the food out to you? I get mad. Yeah. What's going on here? I say, this is fast food, make it fast. I get frustrated. You know, it's kind of sad. But this is the problem that we have with our life. When we try to take shortcuts in anything we do, take a shortcut baking something or making something. You ever had banana pudding? P excuse me, banana pudding? You know, I'm sorry. <laughs> Has anybody had banana pudding? Yeah, banana pudding. <laughs> okay, banana pudding. Yeah. Has nobody here? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, banana pudding. <laughs> Nanner pudding. Nanner pudding. Okay, good. Yeah. You know, there was a kind that they used to make when I was a kid where they actually all they put all these ingredients, they had to cook it and and I mean there would be blood and sweat and tears that went into that part of the ingredient. If you take a shortcut on certain recipes, it ain't gonna be the same. Right. You know? And that's the way with my life. If I try to take shortcuts on God's plan for my life and don't abide by the schedule that God has for me, sometimes when I get off course in the schedule, it's going to take me to places that I did not expect to go. And it's going to cause me to pay a price greater than I wanted to pay. And you know what's going to happen? I'm going to waste a whole lot of time. Amen. So Paul, when I, when I see this storm coming, I'm going to find a man. There were three things that really happened to him in, in, in order for him to abide by the schedule. The first thing is that he rested in the promise of God. God had already told him six years prior to this, you're going to go to Rome. Yeah. He already promised him. And so here all these things are going along and things are happening. And uh, six years later, now he finally finds himself on the ship and he's on his way to Rome. So you know what he did? He just rested in the promise of God. That's right. Sometimes when we don't see in our, you know, we can't touch it, we can't feel it, we can't see it, we can't smell it, we can't taste it, we get impatient. I've got to have it now. But sometimes God doesn't want you to have it now. Sometimes you're not ready for it. Sometimes you're yes. not, you can't handle what's going to come your way. When Karen and I surrendered to go to Africa, it was four years before we ever went off to Africa. You know why? We were kids. We were young. We were too young to handle some things that were going to come our way. Our son Jason, who went back as a missionary, he was almost killed as a missionary there. Our son Jason was almost killed twice as a kid in Africa. Wow. Things happened to us. And so we're not ready to handle things as much as we think we are because God knows what we truly are. So the first thing that Paul did, he rested in the promise of God. Second thing is he rested in the patience that, that, that grace gave to him. See, God gave him a promise, but patience came because of the grace of God. Amen. 
And unless I've got God's patience, I'm not going to make it. Because you know what? I'm going to be a, I am going to be a mess. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have ulcers. I'm going to be bald-headed and gray-haired before I'm 30 years old. And it does happen sometimes to people, you know. And we've got to rest in the patience that God gives. So six years later, here he's on a ship. And you know what? He's right on time. Amen. Sometimes we think when storms come, well, I've missed it. Had I got, had I left a little quicker, it would have been great. I wouldn't have gotten in the storm. No, he was right on time. Yes. God's plan was perfect for him to be right where he is. Because when you see the end of this chapter, you're going to see that there were a ton of people that would have never been affected by the way they were affected had there not been a storm coming in his life. That's right. So grace taught him patience. The third thing is, and I'm skipping over a whole lot of things, the third thing is, is that he rested in the principles that growing or maturing gave him. There were two important principles that Paul had for his life. Can I tell you the first one? Mm -hmm. He himself was committed. He was committed to the course that he had in his life. When I go over to the book of Romans, in chapter number one, and he's writing this letter to the Romans, he's writing this letter two years before he actually gets to get on the ship to go to Rome. But he's telling them in chapter number one of the book of Romans, he said, I hope to come to you in the will of God, have a prosperous journey to you by the will of God. And in, in that chapter, he says, this is what I want to do. Two years later, we find him. He's doing it. You know why? He had a purpose for going. You know what? They were two purposes. Number one, he, and I mentioned this last night, he was going to go there to establish the Christians in their faith. He was going to, to be there to teach them, to train them, to, stop, to disciples, the believers. The second thing was he was going there to win some people to God. And he was committed. I remember years ago, I was watching an old World War II movie, and it was the story of how they were going to fly how they were going to fly, fly these big bombers off of an aircraft carrier yeah. in order to go bomb Japan. Because the, 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 the airstrips they had on these islands around, they were too far away for them to be able to carry the cargo of, of bombs in order to bomb Japan. So they were going to take these things off. You know what they, they did? They took an airstrip on ground and they measured out the length of an aircraft carrier with these big stripes on, on this runway. And they'd rev the, I remember watching this, they rev, and this is a true story. They would rev those engines up, get the whole plane to shake, and then whew, here they take off. And these big, old, these big old bombers, I'm talking about massive bombers, and here's what they would say when they came to that, that line that was painted, which would have been the end of the aircraft carrier. They said, we are committed. That meant, come what may, we're on our way. We may crash, we may, you know, whatever, we're committed. There was no turning back. They couldn't throw on the brakes because if they had, they just tipped off the edge of the aircraft carrier. They were committed. So Paul was committed. His mind, his heart was set to go, and that was the principle that, it, that he lived by. Many times he ended up in prison because he was committed. He was committed. You know what? We have a lot of people, people tonight. We have a lot of people that are just not committed to anything anymore. Hmm. Committed to nothing. Not, it doesn't take much of anything to get them out of church, to get them out of whatever. So he was committed. The second principle that he had was he was submitted to his superiors. He was submitted to the people that were over him. Did you know that when Paul was taken prisoner, prisoner in Jerusalem, 
two years prior to this, did you know that he had people that, that was over him? And they were a bunch of heathen. But they were over him. He, he was submitted to them. He didn't rebel against them. Do you know why the Philippian jailer got saved when he was in prison in Philippi? That Philippian jailer got saved because he saw in Paul something that he had never seen before. Here was a man that submitted to the beating that he got, submitted to the chains that he wore, submitted to the cell where he was locked, and rejoiced verbally, so that everybody heard him. And you know what God did? God honored it. Amen. And sent the earthquake. And here's this Philippian jailer had never seen anything like it in his life. Never had he seen a prisoner ever act like this prisoner Amen. act. And he came in and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Yes. Paul's actions of his commitment to the course and then being submitted. Now, here in this chapter, when you go back up to verse number one, it says that they delivered Paul. They bring Paul and they deliver him to a centurion and they charged, they commanded the centurion, you're going to take this man and these other prisoners, you're taking them to Rome. This man was just as much committed to get Paul to Rome as much as Paul was committed to get to Rome. Amen. So, let me tell you, sometimes we look at this man here and he's just a man. He's, this is the superior. This is, he's not God. He's not your Lord. He's not your master. But he is the authority that God has Amen. put in your life. That's right. That's right. Your parents, you say, but I don't have any respect for my parents. Let me tell you something. The word of God tells me that I'm to honor my, 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 my parents, my Amen. mom and my dad. I'm to honor them. Yes. Honor them. You never get away from honoring your mom and dad. Yeah, never Amen. do. You love them. You honor. Obey thy father and thy mother. You, you never Amen. get away from that. Mm -hmm. And when you are submitted to that, do you want to can I tell you what? God will help you to get to the place where He wants you to be. Yeah. Because the schedule that you're on, things can happen, but God's always in charge. Amen. We are to be what we should be and let God handle the rest. Amen. Number two, Amen. I want you to notice with me, go down with me to verse number 22. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Now remember, now the storm has happened. Man, they've undergirded the ship. That means they've taken these huge, these humongous ropes. And they would take men on, on both sides of the ship and they would pass these big huge ropes over the bow of the ship and they would let the current pull these big huge ropes underneath and they would lash them to each side of the ship and they would bring another of these huge ropes and another and another and another. What they were doing is they were trying to keep the ship from flying apart. They were just made out of boards and they were, these ropes were holding these boards in place so they would undergird the ship. They had lightened the ship. They had done everything they could and now they're in trouble. They had done everything possible but they are still in peril of sinking. Yeah. So, verse number 22 says now, and here's Paul speaking in the midst of the storm now, and I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. Now, here it is. Look at this now. He's reiterating the promise. Thou must be brought before Caesar, hey. and lo, now look at this now, because you are where you should be, when you should be, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Isn't that amazing? Had there not been a storm, these <coughs> men would have never been affected by this man, Paul. They would have right. never heard him preach. Nothing, nothing, nothing. But here it is. Look at verse 25. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. 
three hairs, three more things. First of all, <laughs> can I tell you what I see in these verses of Scripture? The second thing is, he says, abide by the schedule. The second thing <laughs> is, abide with the Savior. Amen. Abide with the Savior. Because here's the deal. I'm a preacher. I'm a missionary. I'm the assistant director of the mission board. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know I'm supposed to go to the office. I know my routine. I know my obligations. I know what I'm supposed to do. And I can do that and not even be right with God. You can come in here and you can sing and you can go through the routine because you know the routine and you not even be right with God. You can smile, shake hands, fellowship, and laugh and carry on. Not even be right with God. It is not enough just to be where you should be. Amen. You've got to be right with God. Right. Can I give you quickly three things? Number one, the storm did not cloud Paul's view of the Savior. Back in those days, the way, you know, we got GPS, hallelujah. Back in those days, you know what their GPS was? It was the stars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they would navigate by the stars, by those constellations, and they would navigate the ship. Can I tell you what happened all of a sudden when the storm came? They, couldn't, they could no longer see the stars. They couldn't see the stars. Impossible. They were blocked. And sometimes it seems like the storm has blocked our view of the Savior. We don't know, but can I tell you, I want you to know that though we don't see Him, He knows where we are. Amen. Amen. He knows every moment. Right. Like Paul says, or what, what Job says, I go, I look on my right, my left, I look everywhere, I can't find God, but He knows the way that I take. Yes, Amen. sir. Yes, sir. And so the clouds never, never that they could not distort the, the reality in Paul's mind. I may not be able to see them. The stars are, but I know they're there. Amen. I may not be able to feel him. I may not be able to sense his presence, but I know I, I know he's still with me. Right. Never got away from it. And so Paul was a man that did not allow his, his um, doubts and other things that was going on in his life to cloud the judgment that he had. Second of all, the Apostle Paul, not only was the, the storm that not, did not cloud, came thought, did not cloud his view of the Savior, the storm did not change his loyalty to his master. Now this is important. The storm did not change his loyalty to his master. Do you know, uh, Karen and I, we were at my mom's house. I was getting ready. My, uh, my dad passed away in 2009. 2011, a storm, a tornado came and, just, and almost destroyed my mom's house. We were rebuilt, having it rebuilt for her. And so we were on our way up to Kentucky. I was going to be preaching a mission conference up there. And um, we were standing there. And Karen had gone and gotten a test. And... Um, so while we were standing there, the call came from her gynecologist at my mom's house. And um, so Karen went outside and took the call, and I walked out with her because we were getting results of what the test was, what it was going to reveal. But come to find out, we found out Karen had cancer, and the most aggressive kind of cancer. And so we were out there in the yard. Uh, my mom was a worry wart to get go I'm just and so we wanted to try to keep it from my mom and I didn't want her to worry I mean her house had been destroyed my dad was gone and and she had a load on her already but how are you going to keep that a secret so we're out there we, we'd gone outside and we're out there just crying you know I'm a preacher I'm a man we were out there man our life was shattered shattered and my mom comes out and there we three get together and and we begin to pray um, can I tell you what happens in a storm? You can change masters. You can change from the one that was controlling your life to others that want to control your life. Can I tell you who they are? Number one is fear. Fear can absolutely take hold of your life. 
Can you imagine? The, do you know who was on board with the Apostle Paul? He had seasoned sailors who had sailed those waters how many times had been in storms, but they had never experienced a storm like this in their life. I think, I think about those Roman soldiers, man. They, they feared nothing. But all of a sudden, man, this storm got a hold of them even. It can cause us to get fearful. And you know what? Fearful, fear can become our master because all of a sudden we think that the circumstances are more powerful than God. More powerful than, I mean, this right. has got a hold of my life and it's going to do me in. And all of a sudden now my, my faith and my focus is no longer on him. But now all of a sudden it is on the fear that has, been, has come to me because of the circumstances. Can I tell you another one? All of a sudden I become my master. No longer him, but it's me. You know why? Because I feel like I'm, I'm smarter than God. You know, I know what's going on because, Lord, you're not down here. I'm down here. I'm in the middle of this thing. And all of a sudden, because of fear that's raging in my heart, I'm going to find a way to get out of this mess on my own. Where's the trap door? Where is the way of escape? And I'm going to do anything I can to get out of it. But you know what happened here in this storm? God made it so that Paul couldn't find a trap door. That's good. He could not find a way out. Did you know a lot of times... There may be a little easy way that we can get out. Where are you going to go in the middle of the, of the water, out, of, of, the, of the sea, the, the Mediterranean? Where are you going to go? Mm -hmm. I mean, the storms have you. I mean, if you go here, you don't get away from it. And so he, he, he didn't change his master. He was focused. Look what he says. Verse number uh, 23 again. There stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am. That's his Lord. Amen. Whom I serve, my master. Oh, I love this. Look at verse number 25. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. Can I tell you what? The storm didn't crush Paul's faith in Amen. his heavenly Father. Didn't crush his faith. I believe God. Yes. And but can I, I, said, I said that Brother Ralph this evening, it, this is easy preaching. This is hard living. Yeah. Because when storms come, yeah. it seems like they don't stop coming. You know that? Yeah. Uh, Karen's had so many surgeries. I've told the doctor, just start putting zippers on her. Good night. <laughs> You're going to open her up, just make a zipper, you know, and cancer and double knee replacements. Now, major, major heart issues. I mean, you wouldn't know it by talking to her, just sitting there talking to her. Major heart. She didn't get to travel with me much anymore. I'm just so glad that she's able to come. Amen. Amen. I, but I tell you, it can crush your faith. Lord, you kind of think, well, Lord, look, 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 we're trying to serve you. And come don't on. you care? Come on, preacher. Don't you care? Be real. Oh, let me tell you, he, he cares. Amen. He cares. And here's the Apostle Paul who said simply this, I believe God. I believe God. Last of all, and I'm going to be done, the third thing that Paul says to them, look with me in verse number 29, then fearing lest we should, fall, should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And as the, sh as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, they thought they found a trap door. <laughs> flee out of the ship. When they had let down the boat into the sea under color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the, to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. Wow. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall. Can I tell you the third thing? You already see it there. 
Paul says, you not only got to uh, abide with the schedule and the Savior, you got to abide with the ship. Amen. You got to abide with the ship. Um, can I tell you a couple things you got to do? Number one, listen to me carefully. Number one, you got to cut all the ropes off the lifeboat. You got to cut the ropes off the lifeboat. Isn't it, doesn't it seem like sometimes we always got somebody we can run to? Mm. Sometimes it's easy to run to mom and dad. Dad, I, I got a financial need. Mom, I got a financial need. Sometimes it's <laughs> the parents got, son, I got a financial need. You know? <laughs> There's got to come a point in our life where we got to cut the ropes. Cut the ropes and start trusting him instead of them. These sailors who knew everything about that ship, they knew what to do in a storm, came to a point in the life they couldn't do it, couldn't handle it. And they were getting ready to run. Hightail it out of there. You gotta cut the rope. You gotta cut the rope. You gotta cut the rope. Number two, the second thing is, I want you to look with me down to verse number 37. And we were in all in the ship. Now look at this now. Two hundred three score and 16 souls. The second thing you got to do is you got to count all the people you brought on board on the ship. Amen. When you read the Bible, sometimes it will say being about and it'll give a number. It doesn't give an exact number. Even though the Holy Spirit of God knew exactly how many people, but not every time when you read in the Bible does God give an exact number. But here in, in this instance, we see that the Holy Spirit allowed Paul, or excuse me, Luke, to record the exact number of the people that were on the ship. The sailors, the soldiers, the prisoners, everybody. 276 people were on board that ship. Why didn't he say there were about 270 people on board? There were about 250 people. Why did he give an exact number? Here's what I believe. <coughs> Back over here in verse number 23, 24, and 25, God had told Paul that you're going to go see Caesar. You're going to Rome. And I have given you everyone that's on this ship. You know what? When you get into a storm, good chances are you may lose some things. When you read this story, they lost everything that was on the ship. Every bit of food, every bit of cargo. Think about, think about here was a young man over there in Canaan. He had written a love letter to his girlfriend over in Rome. That letter went down. Your letter never got there. You're not ever going to get married because you <laughs> You know, they lost it all. They lost everything that really was not important. And that's what God will do. He'll take away things that sometimes really aren't important. But you got to count that which really is important. Amen. That's good. And what a tragedy is, is sometimes when we get in a storm, we forget who's on board with us. Yeah. And things begin to happen. And families get blown apart because we couldn't handle the pressure in the storm. That's good. Pressures are real. Yes, sir. But the most precious thing that God has given to me is my wife and my kids and my grandkids. Not so much the daughter-in-law. You know, give or take the son-in-law, the daughter-in-law. No. No. Now they're in my ship. And he wants me to count every single one of them 
that are in the ship. And I don't want to lose one of them. I don't want to do anything that would cause me to lose any that are in the ship. Yeah. Not one. Don't want to have that to my charge. I want to close with this. We're going to go back to our text verse that I'm going to be done. Our verse, verse number 14. Now, if you were to go, and I, I didn't take time to read verses of Scripture. The first verse number four down to verse number nine, it talks about the wind being contrary to them. If you were to get a map, and you could do this later, um, you, when they first got on the ship for the first several days, the first several days, they were just meandering around. You know, meandering is a Greek word, you know. They were just meandering around. They, were, they wanted to go, you know, here, here is where they were. That, you know, they were sailing from uh, the ports off of Jerusalem, or off of Israel, and they were heading this way, and they got around Cyprus and had some stops there. And they were just kind of floating around here all around Cyprus, and they were trying to get over here to Rome, and they were just kind of floating around because the wind was contrary. The wind wasn't blowing. It was against them. And man, they just wasted time. That's why it says in verse number 9, now when much time was spent, it just seemed like we're wasting time. We can't get on our journey. Then all of a sudden, verse number 14, here it talks about this storm that comes called Euroclide, and here it comes. And so days and days and days and days and days and days, they didn't get anywhere. Didn't get anywhere. And all of a sudden, now here comes the storm to the point where all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Their hope of living was gone. They weren't going to make it. But I want you to notice, if you got a map, it tells me when they, when the storm was, had brought them to the nearest piece of land, the Bible says that they landed, in, verse, in chapter number 28, verse number 1, they landed upon an island which was called Melita. Yes. Melita is the name for the is the old name for the island of Malta. Do you know where Malta is? Malta is in a straight direct line straight below Rome. The word Eurocladon, this name Eurocladon, you know what it means? It means eastern wind. You know what the storm did? The storm did what nothing else could do. In just a few short days, instead of them meandering around like they did for many, many, probably a week or more, maybe two weeks, in just a few days, they covered over 500 miles. It's like God put a jet engine on that ship oh, and put them exactly where they needed to be. Had they not been that in that storm, you know where they'd have been? They'd still been over yonder, man and around. They ain't never gonna get man, there. Hey, but brother. the storm That's came good. Hey, man. and dropped them off exactly <laughs> where they were supposed to be. Come on now. And every one of them that were on board that ship, they lived. Amen. But Amen. more than that, there was a barbarous people that were there. And all of a sudden, here Paul gets a snake latched onto his arm and he shakes off in the fire. And all of a sudden, now these heathen people that don't know God, all of a sudden, they, now they get the gospel preached. Can Amen. you imagine what's going on? Oh, all because of the storm. Amen. People that would have had, listen, there were 276 people on board that ship. God gave them all to Paul. They get to an island. All of a sudden now, he doesn't just preach to the peasants of the island. He preaches to the king. That's right. Amen. Amen. What an amazing thing. And they are exactly right on time Amen. where God wants them to be. Amen. Amen. That's good. Hey, sometimes old Dean Hamby, 
I want, if, I, if you don't remember anything that I say these few days I'm here, you remember this. I am good looking. <laughs> All right? But I am pure, pure dumb. Okay? Pure dumb. And I don't, I don't want to, I don't like storm. I don't like hurt. I don't, pain hurts and it kills me. But God's got a purpose for everything God does. Amen. And we, if we will just allow God to do what God wants to do, when the clouds roll away and the storm is over, we will be absolutely amazed right. at what God did in the middle of what we considered pure chaos. Yeah. Because when God's in control, it ain't chaos. Amen. Amen. It yes, is sir. a divine work of God. Amen. Let's stand our feet. Father, I pray that you'd help us this evening to be what we should be. And Father, to know that what you do, you do well. And Father, help us not to run in a storm, but to trust. And Father, I pray that you'd help us, that we would be right where you want us to be. It may seem like all hope is gone. It seems like we've lost everything. But Father, help us just to trust you and to know that you care more than we could ever care about who's on board our ship. So please have your way, I pray. Thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Preacher, would you come?